Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk to Michael Wilbon to see how hard he's pulling for his division rivals in the NFL playoffs. And we'll talk more football with Jason Lockenfora. But first, alas, commerce. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. The accumulating snow is going to be around dawn to early morning, and then it'll continue with showers throughout the day, but not much more. Okay, so I would say we've gotten three inches already. I would say a little bit more than three. Yeah. Feels like it. Because all of the all of the things that were there over the last two or three days are now filled with snow. Yeah. Filled with snow. So, uh, and, and by the way, in case David Remnick is listening, these pants are great. You want to get a pair. <laughs> you know, you're the editor of The New Yorker, for God's sakes. You can afford a pair of fleece-lined pants. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. They really are good pants. I have another store story, if you want, from Nautica. I'll get Nautica. to that. But let me let me start with this. Uh, pants look, are probably the, even the better playoffs if they fit. The, um... The Nautica things fit, but but I'll explain it to you in a little bit. Um, the, we'll start with the, the playoffs all day. I mean, in other words, we'll have Wilbon and Lock and Fora talk about the playoffs. Obviously, the takeaway from all four, there's a different takeaway from each game. But the takeaway for any true football fan is wide right. Scott Norwood last night, when that, Ugh. what a hard cut to the right that was about, on that game. How about kick. Nance on the call? The two most dreaded words what in happened? Buffalo have surfaced again. Wide right. Yeah, yeah. Wide right. Scott Norwood. It's just awful. Um, Buffalo played very well. Kansas City, that was a great game. Really was. And they just scored on each other. They went up and down the field. And when one team made a mistake, such as Buffalo stupidly going for a fake punt, Kansas City gave them the ball back with a, something that turned out to be a touchback on the one-yard line, and it went into the end zone on a fumble. So everything balanced out. And Buffalo couldn't beat him, and they never beat him. And Josh Allen doesn't beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, and this is why Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of his generation. Yeah, Wilbon can make fun of the dynasty of one, but now it's two, and this is six straight in the AFC Championship game. They are a dynasty. They're a great team, and Buffalo tried real hard, and you know, just it, it did not work out. But we will get to that with other people. What I wanted to get to was something in golf. A 20-year-old kid named Nick Dunlap, who is, I believe, a sophomore at the University of Alabama, won a PGA tournament yesterday, the American Express Tournament in California. Now, I grant you, the field wasn't the strongest of all time. The live guys obviously weren't there. Um, McElroy wasn't there. A bunch of people weren't there. 
Justin Thomas was there. Some good people were there. He won the tournament. He was 29 under. The last time this happened was 1991 with Phil Mickelson, and he made a great up and down, Dunlap did. Great up and down on 18 when he was off the green in his second shot. Had to make a six-foot putt <laughs> to win everything. I have a, I, Michael, I want you to take it away, but I do have a question. He doesn't take the money. It's well over a million dollars, I'm sure. 1.5. He doesn't take the... But how does he pay the caddy? Like, the caddy needs to be paid, right? Yeah, again, this is one of those things where with name, image, likeness, you wonder why golf can't sort of fall in line. And I'm sure American Express might be able to transfer him some Amex points uh, to his credit card account. But yeah, I know. You you wonder who's going to take care of the caddy. I'm sure that's one of his friends. uh, And he will be paid in some way. But this is, you look at the field, and even beyond just the live guys, and you look, Phil Mickelson, whom you mentioned, was supposed to be the host of this tournament. Uh, and when he went to live, that uh, title was taken away from him, obviously. And then John Rahm was the defending champ. And when he didn't register right, for gone. this, that was the first uh, you know, official sign that he was moving over to live. But it's really been these signature events. You look at what's coming up uh, in California with something like Pebble Beach and how they designate these signature events and what that means for the purse. But still, this is a 20-year-old kid who's not even eligible to get the courtesy car because he can't rent a car, uh, goes out and wins on the PGA Tour. <coughs> and I think it just shows you where the state of golf is in terms of getting younger and younger. You look at the ball speed. He was routinely hitting the mid-180s, which was above even Sam Burns. It's well above Justin Thomas. Uh, and they're not afraid to win. You look at his pedigree with the U.S. Junior, with the USAM, and it seemed after uh, a struggle on the front nine that he was going to lose, but then he actually goes into the back nine after holding an eight-footer for par uh, with a one-shot lead. He loses that lead temporarily to Sam Burns, but he stays To Sam right Burns? He's hitting second and shots And Sam Burns the hits flag. two in the water. So you Sam Burns about, on 17 and 18 in the water. And that's the yeah, power of having the tee. The, you know, the, this kid is able to hit it on the green, and he puts the pressure on Sam Burns. This is another island green, and this is what you have with stadium golf courses. You have drama coming down the stretch and what can happen on the 17th and 18th hole. And Sam Burns, who was eligible for the payout, probably lost more than half a million dollars uh, going down that leaderboard. The kid shot a 60 on Saturday, a 60. Michael, when you were 20 years old, you played golf in college. Could you, could you imagine any of your peers? Were you ever with anybody where you said, wow, this guy is going to be that great I, that he could win a tournament right now? It's, it's unthinkable to me. Again, playing, on the, playing, on the, uh, playing in the Ivies on the East Coast, it's, there's, there's a, a refrain that you think of if you see someone who's really good at the amateur level, and you have to wonder, if that person gets to three, four, five under – couple birdies in a row are they still going for you know a cut three wood from 270 out on a par five and that's just a different level of scoring and this is uh you know brandel talked about this on the telecast yesterday this is sort of that tiger woods effect where you have to get comfortable going really low at every level of golf along the way and this kid told a story about shooting 59 i think his parents told the story shooting 59 as 12 year old and it's just a different way to see the (laughs) game where you're just not afraid of of holding it that deep under par. So it was so lovely to see his parents interviewed afterwards. His parents were there. Their friends were there. His girlfriend was there. And again, I want to stress this. He's 20 years old. He's two years out of high school. Did you hear when they had uh, Nick Saban come on the call for a little bit? 
Yeah, I heard Nick Saban. Oh, wow. Yeah, Nick Saban plays a lot of golf. And, Great and moment he's, when he's, he's, going, he's doing a deep dive into how good of a guy Justin Thomas is. And I'll get, I'll get more into Justin Thomas. But as he's talking about this, JT pulls an iron on, uh, I think, the par five number 11. And you can just see him mouthing uh, some colorful, colorful words. <laughs> Carvalese. Yeah, yes. so, I mean, the kid without, was yeah, so the composed. The question, his <laughs> answers to the questions were so good. He was so composed. It was really remarkable to me. And again, this has happened, I think, five times in the last Pretty cool to see him using years. that Billy Jean quote about pressure being a privilege uh, throughout the entire weekend. Uh, but going uh, back to I, Justin so Thomas, the, you think clearly you can look ahead. at this He's kid. also he's, an Alabama kid. Yeah, and yeah. he's very, he clearly is a comfortable talker when it comes to playing golf. Some people want to be in a silo. Yeah. They just want to walk down the fairway. After Sam Burns took that lead or tied the lead on the, I think it was on the 10th hole, uh, Nick Dunlop just goes up to him and starts chatting him up. He just lost the lead on the back nine. And when he hit a wild shot on 18, JT comes up to him without really making a big deal of it and just sort of makes a joke about hitting his first spectator. And that's the type of just small gesture that I think really put him at ease getting ready for that, uh, that uh, uh, up and in with the, with the greenside chip. I know you people are thinking, why are they talking about golf? Because this is an extraordinary thing. In a, in a day when you weren't talking about the football playoffs, which are dominating, and deservedly so, dominating, you know, 100 million people watch them. But if this had happened on a random Thursday, we would be talking about this all day because the last guy to do it was Phil Mickelson, turned out to be a pretty good golfer. He did it in 1991. Dick Dunlap, sophomore at Alabama. Everybody who was commenting on this last night uh, actually used the phrase, it's no, a no-brainer, he has to turn pro. I don't think he does. I think with NIL, you don't have to turn pro. He's exempt from it. He turn pro next year, right, Michael? He's exempt from having to qualify for everything for a while, right? And more than anything, he has the invitation to the Masters. And if you've, if you've won this, yeah. why can't you go and get top tens in all the majors? And I'm sure he has a good legal team who's looking how you can make up some of that lost revenue with some small deals along the way. Yeah, it's like... Caitlin Clark is what I'm going to tell you now is a true fact. The highest salary in the WNBA salary, Elena Deladon just qualified for it on a one-year deal, $264,000. They're not going to give a rookie $264,000. I don't know what the highest amount of money she can get is, but it's not going to be that much. She's making over $800,000 in NIL playing at Iowa. So why exactly would she go to the WNBA to take a three or four times salary cut. Why would she do that? And you say, well, her, her deals will follow her. Maybe, mm. maybe they'll follow her in the pros, but she has them now in college because she is a singular draw in college. You have to think about all of these things. All right, we've, uh, we've done a lot. We haven't mentioned the playoffs all that <laughs> right, much. I, I'll tell the Nautica story on Wednesday. Okay. If I remember it, <laughs> if I remember it, you can't say to Jason, Michael, Jason Kelsey last night, shirtless without a shirt. Yeah, chucking yeah. Beers, yeah. What are they doing in that in that row of seats? Who hey, are those people? Retirement's who been the, good to him. Who are they? Who is uh, hugging Taylor Swift all the time? Who's that girl? Maybe uh, Mahomes' wife. Maybe Mahomes' wife. Is that yeah. who that is? Maybe I don't know. Do you know who that is? Uh, there's Michael, a lot of people in the box. It's really uh, Taylor Swift is the greatest thing that ever happened to the NFL. I know Wilbon doesn't care for her. <laughs> that girl. That girl, but <laughs> she's, uh, she's drawing all the people in. All right, we'll take a break and we'll bring on Wilbon. I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a group called the Red-Haired Strangers. This is a song called Last Years. This is sent to us by Matt Cattuaro, who writes long time, no email. I'd love to put some great music in your hands. The Red-Haired Strangers are a bluegrass country band composed of some of my lifelong best friends, John Rice and Ryan Dunham, along with Chris Charl and Joe Gumper. They're hardworking, lifelong music lovers who tour the breweries, cider mills, apple orchards, and festivals of upstate New York, bringing great joy to everyone who hears them. It'd be incredible to hear their music played on your show. Thanks for taking a listen. Hopefully see you at Nats Park when the Royals roll into town late September. And you go, well, the Royals roll into town late September. See you, huh? And then you realize it's Matt Catraro, who's the manager of the Kansas City Royals. The manager of the Kansas City Royals who listens to this show. How great is that? And sent in music from his friends, the red-haired strangers. They play in Michael Wilbon. I don't really know where to start, except that if you're of a certain age, as you are and I am, as great as the last three games were of the weekend, the first game wasn't great because the the Baltimore Ravens just put it on Houston, but as great as the last three games were, and Lamar Jackson was that great, as was their defense, I start with two words. I start with Scott Norwood, don't don't you? Isn't that what you have to go to? Yeah, yeah, wide right again. Yeah, um, I, I guess so, uh, Tony. Um, I just uh, Buffalo disappointed me, not in the way they played, because you know, but in the way they went about it. And I guess I'm, I'm talking about their offensive coaches, that coaching staff. You know, some of the deep passes. Why are you doing that? You've run the ball down Kansas City's throat. You've played power football. You have demonstrated from the first series of the game that physically you're the equal, if not the superior, to the Chiefs. Why, why do you need to have these 40-yard bomb passes that, okay, they weren't caught, but why do you need to have them? Even if you connect on them, all you do when you score is give the ball back then to Patrick Mahomes, who's going to do something to you. He's not going to let you win. You're not going to win the game because you get ahead with that score in late in the third or early in the fourth or with eight minutes left. You're not. So why not play power football, which was working for you so well? I, I, yes, I know that wide right is going to be the story of the game. Apparently, right. Like minutes later, it was already you know that was it was already on Wikipedia, and I get it. But what, what are you doing, Buffalo? I was just I was disappointed in the Bills. I really was. 
I think the people rooted very hard for the Buffalo Bills and the Detroit Lions yesterday because they Buffalo had been there four times in a row and had never won. Detroit had never been close. And I think people rooted for them. I wonder if there's a reevaluation for you. Maybe there isn't. This is six straight AFC championship games for Patrick Mahomes. It's the first time he's had to go on the road to do it. And he did it, and he's going to go on the road again in Baltimore. I know you like to refer to them as a dynasty of one, but they've been in the Super Bowl three times, and they've won it twice, and they're knocking on the door all the time. Any reevaluation for you on on the Chiefs? No, not reevaluation. They're they're great. I mean, they're great. You know, I, my whole thing is when it's one, it's one. It was when I was saying dynasty of one, it's because they'd won one. And That's you right. have a dynasty until it happens. I don't care about the forecasting of stuff. I really don't. Let's see you do it. And so they're, they're great. Yesterday was one of those games where they probably should have lost that game, probably should have dropped that game. And there's a certain greatness they have forged, and there it is. And so I, I don't know. I reassessing, I don't, I don't have to reassess. They're, they're great. And they prove it, and they, they're proving it. Season after season, and that's what does make you a dynasty. That's that's when you have to yeah. drop any skepticism. So maybe I have to be out of skepticism now. I I, I can acknowledge that. Um. So, but their greatness. I just thought they should have been. They should have been out yesterday. Should have been eliminated. They're going to go to a better team. Baltimore has a better defense than Buffalo. Baltimore's quarterback should be the unanimous MVP in the league this year. When you watch him, he sort of just stands there and and no one lays a glove on him and then he moves around. Mahomes is quite the same way, moves around, but Lamar Jackson is a better runner uh, than Mahomes and because he's less fearful, I guess, of of getting hit. That they dominated a good team in the second half. They dominated them. What were your thoughts on Baltimore? Yeah, I, I, I didn't pay attention much to that game. I, I had travel and some other stuff. I it, it was like okay, okay. I'll, I'll see a bit. I'll see. I'll see enough of that, and then I had to. It was like okay, Baltimore is superior. They 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 were yeah. you know in, in all the ways it counted. And so, like you said, when we started this Tony, that was a game I couldn't pay much attention to anyway. And it was fine. I got to see everything else. Every other snap that I got to see, and and Baltimore is better than Buffalo. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's not the, 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 the parts that you're assessing that make the difference. And what Kansas City's been able to do, and the reason that they are great, not to drop any skepticism, is that they've been able to beat back whatever challenger is out there, no matter what it appears like that challenger has over them. So is we know that Baltimore is better than Buffalo. Are they better than Kansas City? They get to play that game in Baltimore. As Patrick Mahomes in won a second straight road game. Uh, I measure, you know, it, it stacks up as something you I, I really want to see. It is the it is the more attractive matchup for most football fans. I will say that it is very hard for me, and I give total respect to the Baltimore Ravens this year. What they've been able to do in the last two thirds of the season. What Lamar Jackson's been able to do. And I don't know what the line will be, but Baltimore will be favored. Baltimore's the best team in the league. They will be favored. It's so hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes. You know, Mike, because yeah. I've watched him do this so many yeah, times. 
they're the champs. It's hard yeah. to bet against them. And Baltimore has come up short in the in these exact situations. So you know they are one. In, they're what are they two and three now? Lamar Jackson two and three with, with, but, with Lamar you know, Jackson. It's it, it's look. It, it's again. There's no extra credit to be awarded. You you got to go out and win and win these games. And if Baltimore is a championship program, and they have been that twice in the last twenty years, that's whatever, right. Then let then then they'll do that. They got They have to earn it. Let's talk about Detroit. Um, Tampa Bay hung with them. Tampa Bay was closer than I thought, better than I thought. Inevitably, uh, Baker Mayfield was intercepted because you, you're asking him to go 90 yards in a minute or something like that, and those things happen to everybody. But Detroit wins that game. I wasn't sure they would win. I thought they might have a letdown. Now they go on the road to San Francisco. They, Goff was terrific. They looked really good, Mike. Yeah, they're good. They're, they are really good. They've evolved in that way, too. They, there was, there's a, a certain skepticism that was owed the Lions. Because they haven't done yeah. Jack in forever. So I, I'm not, in, you know, to me, you know, Tony, I, I don't care about what you, the greatness that appears to be in you. Let's damn see it. Otherwise, yeah. get off the stage. And so Detroit... It's not greatness they've demonstrated yet, but they, 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 they look like they're they look like it's in them and they're capable of it. And I'm I'm rooting for Detroit. Again, the difference between rooting for the Lions and rooting for Detroit. I'm rooting for Detroit. I hope they win. I never root against the forty ers really in these situations. San Francisco. I've spent so many years going out to see the forty ers as a sports writer. Um and and this team is particularly appealing. This this Niner team is particularly attractive. But yeah, I'm I'm rooting for Detroit and and sort of all that it means to them. Um, and I, you know they they seem to have it in them, Campbell. And I'm not as enamored of him as a lot of people are. But he's obviously a damn good coach. Um, and you know there's every reason that to root for golf and those players. And I'm, you know, I'm much more familiar with them because I pay attention to the Lions, Tony, even when they're not any good, six or seven times a year. And the last two years, I've paid attention to the Lions probably a total of 15 times where I've watched full games with the Lions, not just red zone, full games. And so, you know, they're, you know, one of the teams that, you know, it's like if you're a Washingtonian, you paid attention for years and years and years to the Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys. Cowboys, the, sure. The Lions are that for me. One of those teams, obviously, the, the, the Vikings and, and Packers. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Detroit and all that that means and hoping that they, they're, you know, the Lions now, not well, Detroit and the Lions. They're the Cubs. They're football's version of the Cubs. I understand what it means to have everything on the line and you've never seen it in your life if you're there. So I, I, it, you know, what they're going through and what they're experiencing means something to me. I actually thought green Bay was better than San Francisco on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And, and I picked San Francisco to be in the Super Bowl the first day of the year, but I, I'm not as confident in them as I think I should be by now. Do you feel the same way? No, I think that Green Bay may just be 
better and may have been up to that moment. They seemed like it, except for that last pass. I mean, they should have won. Yeah. Green Bay should have won that game. I agree. Green Bay, to me, outplayed the 49ers in San Francisco. Yes. And I'm not, to me, I'm not focused on the shortcomings of the Niners, if there are that many. I'm, I'm looking at the Packers thinking, wow, these, <laughs> these boys are pretty good. And I think Detroit, you know, Detroit's, I, I think Detroit can can win that game. I, I think they're on a mission. There's a there's a crusade that you 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 will find yourself on when the the wording is never it's never. I know they won in 1957 and 1953. Okay, in modern time, it's never in the Super Bowl era, which I will give into in this case the use of that phrase. It's never. Well, it's over so 50 games, and they've never been in it. The yeah. Browns and them have never been in it. They've That's never been right. in it. No, hmm. no. It's, I, it's just it's just pretty cool that the the to me that the Lions and the and the and the and the Browns you know had a chance in this postseason. That both of them had a chance, and and the Lions are still yeah. playing for it. I think the Lions are a better team, and I think they've come on better in the last little bit over a year. All right, I'll, 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 I'll let you leave. I know you didn't watch the golf. I would ask this, though. No, no, I, I, I'm not. I know. Golf is not. Our, local, like, our lo- local basketball team has now lost home games to Detroit and San Antonio. Yeah. Well, what do what you think of that? To. They're doing exactly what it is. You, well, well, do, I don't, you said I they're don't, tanking. Is there somebody out there that you want? Is there a, about, a, a, a discernible it's, number it's, one pick? No. There's no Wimbanyama. At least right. that we know of. There's a kid from France that I'm looking at and paying attention to who's to me, has greatness written on him. Is it like in Wimbanyama? No. At this point, no, it isn't. And you don't need to finish one, two, or three to draft the kind of player who turns your fortunes. Okay? You don't. You can. You can, you can, you, you can, you can draft a Chet Holmgren, who, by the way, is the rookie of the year, not Wimbanyama. That's right. You can draft that kind of player. You can draft Shea Gildas Alexander. You can, and you can win. You can draft Giannis at 13. You can draft Halliburton at 17. You've got to get it right. Your scouts have to get it right. So, and, and you've got to get it right for a couple of years and a couple of picks, not just once. That's how you win now. Is that about free agents? It's not. It's not about getting some free agent to come to your market. You're, there's only two. There's only two destinations where big free agents matter like that: South Florida and Southern California. That's it. It doesn't matter. So the Wizards are going about this the right way. You got to get draft picks. You got to get lots of them, and you got to strike. You have to scout the world, not find some diamond in the rough where you live. You have to scout the world and come up with that player. So all you got to do is the standing. Yeah. You know, I mean, Joker wasn't picked one, two, or three. No. Nope. wasn't. Nope. So, you can, nope. so that's over. That narrative is over. And so the Wizards are doing what they're supposed to. I don't want to see the Wizards winning. There's no point in it. Not now. Well, you don't have to worry. They stink. <laughs> they're not, not going to win bad. now. They're bad. They yeah. stink. And, you know, in the meantime, there's, you know, there's, I, I'm, you know, I get it locally, and, and I, you know, I don't care about specifically the Wizards, 
Oklahoma City went and beat Minnesota in Minnesota Saturday night. And Shea Gilgis and Alexander like gave them 35. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a thing going on in the world of basketball that's way bigger than the Wizards. There's a thing that's going on with new players, young people, replacing, as they try to, Steph Curry and LeBron James. There's, there's a generation, there's a movement, a generation change. And so it's, it's really it's exciting to watch. It's too bad that it's not happening here yet. And I hope that Washington doesn't miss out. I mean, you know, you know, we missed out on like an entire thing for about 20 years with some bad selections and some, you know, some bad luck too. But um, no, I don't want to see some phony winning of games now. I want to see them acquiring. You them don't have to now. worry. They're not, no, they're not, not going to win any games. They stink. Good. All right, I'll talk to you That's later. Good. All right, Tom. Talk to you later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll take a break. Jason Lockenfora will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, these are the red-haired strangers. This is a song called Steady Rollin'. And as I said before, they are great friends with Matt Catraro. And if that name doesn't mean much to you, it's because you're not a fan of the Kansas City Royals, where he's the manager. He sent in this music, listens to the show, which is so pleasurable for us, but yes. sent in music, which is wonderful, from the red-haired strangers, guys he's known all his life. Michael, if uh, people like the red-haired strangers want to send in original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And the Royals are visiting the Orioles for the second series of the year. Oh, okay. Maybe we could go up and see Matt. That would be nice. Jason Lockenfora joins us now. We're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, host of the podcast In the Huddle, covering the entire NFL. We got four games. We can take them in the order that they were played because I think they got probably more dramatic yeah. as time went on. The first game was the Baltimore game in which Baltimore had a fabulous offensive outburst in the second half and put the game away. And it became, honestly, no game at all halfway through the second half. Um, there's two storylines, it seems to me, and you, know, you, you live in Baltimore – Lamar Jackson proving that whatever happened before in the playoffs is not viable now. Yeah. And the Baltimore defense allowing yeah. three offensive points the entire game. Take them in any order you want. Yeah. Um, you know, there's – I mean, Lamar Jackson has kind of dispelled narrative after narrative after narrative. If, if you've watched this with any – semblance of an open mind, right? If you're not watching this yeah. with a jaundiced eye, if if you're not watching this with some, you know, um, just this sort of militaristic uh, adherence to preconceived notions that you're never going to let go, if you have just watched this evolve, um, the, the young man continues to check every box and, and pass every test except for the ultimate test, which again, you know, it's kind of been the Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, little bit of Ben Roethlisberger show for the last 25 years in the AFC. And we'll see, you know, and Peyton Manning. And we'll see if, uh, if he can pass it on Sunday at home in the first championship game in this town since three years before I was born. Um, 
the defense, it's it. They, it's, it's been great. record setting. I mean, they're the first it's to great. lead the league in sacks, turnovers, and points allowed. Um, they've got individually brilliant players at all three levels. And that was another game where their defensive tackle, Justin Matabike, just um, seemed absolutely hell-bent on destruction. And he's going to have a little different challenge this week against you know Creed Humphrey, maybe the best center. In the AFC, that matchup will be interesting. It'll it, it'll be wild, um, but yes, they dispatched of a lesser team uh, with authority in the second half, and they adjusted to the blitz. Lamar got rid of the ball quicker. Uh, they did a much better job running shallower routes, having those crossers come a little closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, you did not see the downfield play action under center passing game. And I, I think they're going to have to hit some bigger shots against the Chiefs. But uh, that sets up to be a, a pretty wild scene. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Let's go to the Green Green Bay scared San Francisco. Jordan Love has arrived as a quarterback yeah. um, in the same way C.J. Stroud has, but even to a greater degree, I would say. Matt LaFleur went on fourth down in the second quarter, didn't take the three. They didn't get as many points in the red zone as they should have yep. and could have. Was that the game to you? Yeah. They, they, well, they dropped two interceptions. One, Darnell Savage had an absolute walk-in yeah, yeah. pick six. So Brock Purdy wasn't very good, and they didn't take enough advantage of that. Uh, yes, were things bogging down in the red zone? I think they got absolutely hosed on a, on a call as well. I mean, it is just it, – it's – Laughable and shameful that this is how we're spotting balls. Like we're just guessing, we're eyeballing it. Like there's 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 been no advancement in technology whatsoever from Red Grange to Jordan Love. Just think about that. Um, and yeah, the better team lost. Uh, that happens sometimes. You know, there's there's some creature comforts from playing at home. Um, you get a few bounces. And your young quarterback, I mean, look, I, I think people are talking about this Brock Purdy drive, you know, like it, it's it's some, um, like, great moment in NFL history. Like, you know, come on, man. The, 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 like, he, Brock Purdy the last month has been highly, highly pedestrian. He was highly, highly pedestrian in this game. He had a receivers make a few plays for him. Um on a final drive, but I, I tell me not that impressed. And San Francisco's defense, and, and I started running some of the numbers last night, you, that, that pass rush over the last month, non-existent. I mean, you're talking about a 12.8% pressure rate from Bosa, 8% from Chase Young, like 8% from Hargrave. Those guys are not getting sustained pressure. They're definitely not getting sacks. And you can run up the gut on them all day long. You go back to week 15, that's basically the worst run defense in the NFL, defending runs right up the middle. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people telling me, well, watch what Armstead comes back. Well, yeah, I watched, and they got absolutely gashed um, by Aaron Jones. And guess what? Detroit can replicate a lot of that stuff. And, and Detroit is a top-three team in the league running outside zone. And it's, it's interesting. The 49ers dominate running the ball outside zone but can't defend it. And then there's a lot of teams that way, like – there's a lot of teams who like have a great fullback, run really well behind a fullback, 
can't defend runs under center when the other team runs a lead blocking play behind a fullback. It's kind of an interesting dynamic, and it definitely applies to San Francisco. I thought that both seed, both number one seeds uh, and their quarterbacks had not played in 20 days. Mm-hmm. Both number one seeds had very rusty first halves. Yes. Very rusty, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, I think, again, with San Francisco, to me um, – like, I still don't know about this Debo Samuel situation, you know, and so what, no, is, what is that hurt. going yeah, to look like? And, and right. uh, I, I, you know, Detroit's pretty good at stopping the run, so that's going to be an interesting right, So let me, let me get to Detroit, because Tampa Bay was more competitive, honestly, than I thought they would be. Tampa Bay tied the game at the half. Tampa Bay was in the game, and yeah. at the end, I remember saying to someone, yesterday about this particular thing that, 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 you know, Baker Mayfield's probably going to throw a pick because he's got to go 90 yards in a minute and a half or whatever it is. And he's probably going to throw a pick, which of course he did. But Tampa Bay was very competitive with Detroit. Some people thought there might be a letdown there. Um, Jared Goff was wonderful. And everybody, everybody roots for Detroit and Buffalo. And at least Detroit got through. What did you think of that game? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was it was workmanlike. Uh, they were a little disjointed in the first half. I mean, it's rare that you see Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, have like three catches on eight targets. Like, he's usually timeshares there, and so is the delivery. Like, he's a guy who, especially at home, catches like 80% of his targets. So, you know, there were a few things that just were sort of off. He dropped some balls, which was, which was out of character. Um you know, I think they were surprised that they weren't getting, you know, blitzed with abandoned by Todd Bowles. He broke tendencies a little bit. I think he kind of threw their young offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, off in the first half. Uh, but obviously they scored uh, with with consistency in the second half. And yep. they got the run game yep. going. They got explosion plays out of the run game. And when they get that coupled with them being at home and the ability to sell play action off of that stuff, then you tend to get, you know, a few more downfield shots. And They had a Baltimore second half. They had three straight drives that went in. They did. Yes, Yes. and they had some some explosion plays and they had some time-consuming drives and they forced Tampa to kind of play and scramble. Yeah, and to your point, the field position there on the final drive for Baker, you know, that's a tough ask. Ideally, you want a lot of those balls going towards the sidelines. You know, you want them outside the hash marks more than the middle of the field. Um, but look, Baker Baker battled, man, and Baker had a better season than I think anybody could have hoped for or expected. Um, and the the Bucks are going to have to try to find that sweet spot between, you know, yes, we need to compensate him for what he's done. But also, he's, he's Baker Mayfield, and he's probably not the next guy we're winning a Super Bowl with. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to thread that needle in contract negotiations. Okay. And, and the Lions, to me, look, I, I don't know if we talked about it or not, but I definitely said and wrote that I felt like the Lions and the Rams were the two teams in the NFC that could go to Santa Clara and bully the, the, the 49ers into a loss. And... uh we're going to find out because one of them got there. Let's talk about the last game, which was a great game. Buffalo and Kansas City was an absolutely great game. Buffalo made a stupid 
call uh, late on, you know, on a fake punt. Yeah. Kansas City gave him the ball back with the touchback. So those things balanced out. Y- yep. That yep. was a wonderful game. What are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, Scott Norwood's name comes up in everybody's mind. But what are your thoughts on on that? Patrick Mahomes, this is six straight AFC championship games. And now they did it on the road. Now they yeah. did it on the road. It's crazy. And, you know, they've also done it, you know, in a year where it wasn't a magic carpet ride where they didn't catch every break. Where they, That's right. they had they had to fight a little bit and jostle for for playoff seating, um, and and they've you know they've taken on water at times. They're they're not the efficiency monster on offense that they've been pretty much since Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes started hanging out together. Um, it, there still is an aura and a mystique with them. There's, there's no two ways about it. Like it's just there. It's in your conscience. It's in your subconscious. Like as this game is playing out, and we're in the fourth quarter, and you knew it would be close and late in the fourth quarter, and you're kind of watching the Bills negotiate this situation here, where you know we are at home. Do we play for three? Try to get it to overtime. If we are playing for three. We got to be careful about leaving them too much time, you know. Otherwise, our three is just a precursor to their three, which ends our season. And oh yeah, by the way, our kicker's not that great. And so, where is our sweet spot here? And what what is you know what's the proper calculus between getting a few shots and trying to win this thing outright with a touchdown, or at least make them score a touchdown to send us home? You know, and and also making sure we continue to matriculate the ball down the field to make this kick um, as inconsequential as possible from a distance standpoint. And that, that, that didn't, you know, 44 is not 30, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not 35. And on a, and in that sort of weather, even with the wind going with them, the wind was clearly even coming from behind them, still um, pulling that ball in a certain direction. And, there were some yards they left on the table there, whether Josh Allen kept the ball himself or whether he dumped it underneath, and they they were still okay from a timeout standpoint. So it's not like they had to just go sideline, sideline, sideline. I think there's certainly some things that they'd want to do a little differently. You know, I also think they were running out of bodies on the back end, and, and you're on a day where, you know, once Kansas City sold out to stop the run in the second half, there was there – was, they didn't make them pay. The Bills did not make them pay for that decision. They didn't hit any deep shots against those stacked boxes. Meantime, Kansas City, you know, is averaging nine yards a play almost, and they've got eight plays of 20 yards or more because the Bills are literally running out of corners and they're running out of linebackers. And, um, you know, it begs a lot of really interesting questions about this week. And, they're, you know, the Chiefs are going – into another line's den, and this defense is better. And this defense, you know, I'm guessing Marlon Humphrey's back for this game, although Ronald, Ronald Darby's playing pretty damn good right now. Uh, they're they're going to face a, a different sort of challenge here, you know, a defense that's a little more multiple than uh, Buffalo's, a, a defense that's, get, that's getting um, off on the quarterback, certainly more than Buffalo's did a little bit down the stretch, and there's a low element of sort of the deceit that's inherent in their defense um, that for any quarterback on the road, even one as great as Patrick Mahomes, can get in your head a little bit, and they're, 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 they're totally healthy on that side of the ball. I mean, they are. 
totally healthy on that side of the ball. So it's this, this yeah, is an they're, epic they're, showdown. You know what I mean? This is it this is. is an epic it showdown. Is. And this is a who is the who's under the most pressure this week? Once again, it is Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Because he's going to have to win at home against a really good team and a great quarterback. And a great, a great defense. quarterback. A great defense yeah, I mean, led so, by one of the best defensive coordinators of the last 25 it, years or so. Yeah. Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, it, 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 it checks all the boxes. That's the more attractive game. That is the more attractive game. Thank you, Jason. Plug you your it, uh, radio show for us. Oh, yeah. You Plug your radio show. Two, thank you. You can listen to me two to six weekdays. Uh, on Inside Access on 105.7, the fan, or as I prefer to call it, 105 to 7. Uh, you could also listen to us on the Odyssey app, and you could check us out uh, at the FanDuel Sportsbook inside the Maryland Live Casino and Arundel Mills uh, on Friday from 2 to 6. We'll be out there. Good. Go see Jason, everybody. Thank you, Jason. That was Thanks, Odyssey guys. NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow in the huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will take a break and we will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's Ian Warrington, and that would be enough that he can play all those instruments, but he's also an emergency room doctor. So if you're at a Gaelic folk festival and something happens to you, you can go see Ian Warrington, and he'll <laughs> yes. fix you up. Yes. And he'll tell you what you were listening to <laughs> as well. Playing all four instruments, or however many instruments there were in that. Do you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, is she really going out with him? Well, there she is. Let's ask her. Betty, is that Jimmy's ring you're wearing? Mm. She must be great riding with him. Is he picking you up after school today? Mm. By the way, where'd you meet him? I met him at a candy store. (laughs) That's uh, the Shangri-Las. The lead singer, Mary Weiss, passed away. On Friday at the age of 75. If I recall correctly, two of the backup singers were twins. I'm not certain of this, but I know that they were produced by a guy named Shadow Morton. Oh, yeah. Shadow, Shadow Morton. Morton. Thanks to our guest today, Michael Wilbon, Jason Locke, and Fora. Thanks as well to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. Here are some emails we did not get to the other day from Aaron in Milwaukee. The below quote from Wednesday's show is a dejected Tony describing his purchase of hideous fleece-lined pants that are three sizes too big. But I think it was also Mike McCarthy's inspiring halftime speech to the Cowboys this past weekend against the Packers. I may have made a mistake. It's conceivable that I made a mistake, but you know I'm going back out there. So there you go. (laughs) From Dan in Austin, Texas, I love how lesser-known musicians are showcased on this podcast, but have never been inspired to look any of them up. 
That changed once I heard you introduce the band Post-Sex Nachos. It's such a brilliant name that I didn't care if they were any good. I have to support these guys, I said, as I checked out their collection on Spotify. Not only do I enjoy their music, I checked out their tour schedule and saw they'll be right here in Austin in mid-February. And tickets are only around $15. You don't even have to use the code. I'm looking forward to shouting the cheeserie between songs and receiving blank stares in return. If you're in the Austin area, come join me. If nothing else, we can hit the merch table together. From Cam in Bridgeville, Delaware. I know where Bridgeville is. And he writes, if you uh, lived here, you'd be home by now. Chuck and Roxy, episode 220. Greetings from Sussex County, Delaware. You may remember me from such emails as my stepson telling me you can't put Chick-fil-A sauce on McDonald's chicken nuggets and my daughter asking her pre-K teacher last year to sing the Reginald the Monkey song in class. <laughs> anyway, the reason I'm writing you today is with the new year, I was organizing my closet. I thought you'd like to know the breakdown of my dress shirts. Seven white, two pink, five blue, various shades, two gray, two yellow, two orange, one for fall, one for spring, one purple, one green, one brown, one black, several pattern ones. Not sure what this says about me, that I feel the need and basically compiled, uh, complied to email an aging bald orange man this information, but it felt like the right thing to do. It sounds good. <laughs> Waiting from Nathan Ackerheim. He doesn't have any gingham. Charlotte, North Carolina. I read an article today describing an experimental nine-month cruise that will visit all seven continents. It's called the Royal Caribbean Ultimate World Cruise. I think it should be more aptly named Tony Kornheiser Sets Sail to Hell. <laughs> I assume they air NBA regular season games all day and only accept Cigna for any medical issues that arise while on board. From Anthony Perna um, in Chester, New Jersey. Dear Joe Castor from Chester, New Jersey. Greetings from a fellow Chester, New Jersey resident. Heard your email about how many doubloons the Peacock Pirates uh, plundered from the populace. Just a heads up, there's a large pothole starting on Roxiticus Road, going east, right before East Fox Chase Road. If it ends up being anything like it was last year, it'll rip your car's lungs out, Jim. <laughs> From our friend Brandon Costello, is there any truth to the rumor that News Channel 8 is moving to streaming only? That would be bad for us. <clears throat> From Steve the Sick Fan, knowing of your interest in all things lunar, here's a few updates on that favorite celestial body. On January 25th, we will have a wolf moon. That's close. That's this week, right? Yes. So-called, according to the old farmer's almanac, because Native Americans and early settlers believed wolves howled more at a January full moon. But I have more important news, as provided by the Washington Post. In the future, the moon will have moved so far away from the Earth, it will no longer completely block the sun during a full solar eclipse. It will take a while, as the moon is moving away from the Earth about one and a half inches per year. But in 600 million years, the distance will be such... A full solar eclipse will never happen again. Sadly, only Yubi Brown and Luke Hornsecker <laughs> will be around to witness it. From Chuck Pinter, Gross Point Park, Michigan. Chuck and Roxy, episode 273. 273? That's, That's the email. How many do they do? <laughs> this lots. From Mark Larson in Salt Lake City. Did I hear you correct? Correctly, did you pronounce... Amish with a long A sound? The only way I've ever heard anyone pronounce that name is with an A sound, not A. I got an email about that. Yeah. I've always said Amish, not Amish. Yeah. Now that we've exhausted the pecan, it's pecan around here discussion, maybe we could start a debate on the pronunciation of the name of a society in which only one person pronounces it with the A sound. Yeah, I never, I didn't know that. Jeff Alexander in Salinas, California. Please see the attached photo of a Stony Brook license plate frame we saw while driving in San Francisco. <laughs> I should have called you when I saw it so as to obtain advice what to do next. Could you give out your number during the next show? At least they weren't in a Subaru or would have felt compelled to run them over. That would have been ironic as we were headed to the monster truck show that was going on at the Giants ballpark. Photo credit to my wife, Alyssa, 
who didn't protest even once when I asked her to take the photo, despite rolling her eyes when I said with glee in my voice, Stony Brook, Tony hates them. Take a picture, quick. Oh, and please tell Zach in Buffalo and Evan in San Jose. Yeah, it's, it's a California plate, and it says Seawolves at the bottom, Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett Fisher in Portland, Oregon. I know that this season has not been kind to our favorite Simeon and his weekly football picks. However, with the playoffs... Uh, get ready for a real heater. Well, no, he didn't get a real heater. No. He went 0-4. Yeah. Yeah, he's out. He's, he's done. The pipe. Yeah. Since he communicates primarily with Nigel through photos, please pass along the attached snapshots of Johnny Walker Blue and yours truly at his side in Edinburgh, Scotland, the birthplace of whiskey. It's a statue of Johnny Walker Blue. It's pretty cool. How about that? My hope is this can help Reginald focus over the upcoming weeks. No, no, <laughs> no, it's, no. Sadly, it's over no, for the lucky. But it's very nice from Brett Fisher in Portland, Oregon. By the way, I have the Shangri-Las update for you. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it was two pairs of sisters, Mary Weiss and her sister, Betty Weiss, and then the twins, Marge Ganser and Marianne Ganser. And yes, twins. they were produced by Shadow. That's Morton. what I thought. I believe you had that. Uh, David DiNardo, longtime listener here in Arlington, Virginia. Your lyrics on Friday's pod reminded me of the fact that on multiple occasions, six or so, I paid cash money to see Animal House in person. Otis Day and the Nights were the inspiration for several parties during my years in the late 70s at Colgate University, about an hour north of Binghamton. Howard Feynman's. That's right, Howard Feynman's. I've attached a photo from one of Colgate's 2023 reunions. It's my friend Mark McCormick and Dwayne Jesse, the actor who portrayed Otis in the movie. In the 80s, Mr. Jesse acquired the rights and has toured as Otis Day. How about that, Michael? <laughs> Leading to their date at Colgate last June. Glad to see he's still hitting it. <laughs> How about that? That's hit great. On the golf How course too up there. Wow. Yeah. That's the that was Seven Oaks. That's Seven Oaks. It's a great golf course. It really is. That was Robert Trent Jones' second course designed, right? After or was it his first? No, I think Cornell. After Cornell. Was his first. Cornell was his first and, and Seven Oaks, which is still beautiful. Wow. Is his second. One more, John in Herndon. I heard your Rosetta Stone read. You mentioned learning Spanish in 24 other languages. It truly immerses you in many ways. You said you really learned to speak, listen, and think, and think is the most important thing in that language. Can you learn to speak Carville or Monkey? Can you imagine <laughs> thinking in Carville? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. Passes it to the man. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> Last years of left in home. Like a god stone let out the backyard. Most of green we've grown through Grow through that split where crept into Nobody home, but there's a light on still. 
sights and sounds Fill our trunks and cases Yeah, we were city broke like a buddy for the screw Now we've been steady rolling.